Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is David Posen of Matrix. It is the 19th of uh, July, 2020 at 1014 p.m. I was praying and I got another idea for a show. So um, I could get you real used to this. You know, somebody would pick us up in syndication and uh, can make a living at this. This would be really nice. Um, it would beat the heck out of what I'm doing now, but I'm thankful for what I have, so I can't really complain. Okay, so tonight, oh, tonight, we are going to open up a can of worms. We are going to talk about the Democratic Party, and we are going to talk about a brokered convention, and we are going to talk about who might enter into that brokered convention, uh, who might broker it, and who might the winner be after the brokerage. Uh, boy, I'm telling you, Democrats are the only ones that can make a um, a convention, a political convention, sound like a day on a stock market. Um, the, the Democrats are a mess. They really are. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know already. If you're a Democrat and you don't admit to that, then you've got bigger problems than we could possibly relate to on the show for tonight anyway. Uh, go seek help because you need it. Um, and I mean that in a loving manner. Because if you deny that there's problems within the Democratic Party, then uh, you've taken the blue pill. Well, if you're a Democrat, most of you have anyway. But uh, it's still not too late that uh, red pill's available. Um, you just have to be offered, have it offered to you again. Anyway, you know, we all had uh, that problem family in our neighborhood. Well, most of us did anyway. I think everybody out there, out there that's listening can kind of relate you know, you had you had your regular people. You you uh, you had uh, one guy was a plumber. Another guy might have been a typesetter, uh, worked at a publishing company. You know, we're talking about fathers in the neighborhood. Um, a mother might have been an executive somewhere. Uh, other mothers might have worked in a shopping uh, supermarket, or uh, other fathers worked. Uh, well, not in my neighborhood, but in some neighborhoods they worked in higher up positions like. Um, brokerages and stuff like that um we never uh had such a thing in our neighborhood most of the guys are construction workers or or uh middle to lower to uh maybe medium middle class families but uh, we were all happy for the most part anyway um but we always had that one family in the neighborhood um the family where uh, if you were to live with them for a week, you would realize that the father is probably a, a, a psychopath. The mother is bipolar. Um, the one sister or the one brother uh, probably sells drugs uh, to the other brother who takes the drugs that he sells. And the sister is somebody that uh, everybody, every boy in the neighborhood is familiar with, so to speak. Yet when uh, when they come out of their house in the morning, they're all dressed prim and proper, and they all go to their assigned uh, assignments. Uh, the kids go to school, the father goes to work, and the mother, well, either went to work or, or sat around doing housework. Um, however, she was bipolar. Well, if she was bipolar, she's probably a very clean house. Um, but um, anyway, yeah, we all had families like that, and that's kind of what the Democratic Party looks like nowadays. It looks like a disaffected family in the neighborhood of sane people. And, um, you know, I always, I always kind of felt bad for, for the kids in families like that. You know, I, I can remember, uh, we grew up in, uh, around a lot of Italian Americans or Italians, 
people of Italian descent or who had relatives that came from Italy. And you could always tell the uh, the ones that were um, less uh, less endowed when it came to manners. Hey, that's a good way to put it. Um, I can always remember uh, uh, this one guy that lived kind of uh, down the street and around the corner. When we would visit our friends down at the down at the corner, you could hear their family fighting, and uh, you could hear some what sounded like somebody beating somebody else's head against the wall, like they were trying to knock some sense into them. And we always wondered what was going on in that house. And, uh, you know, now that I'm a mandatory reporter, I probably would have called social services. But I don't even know if social services um, existed back then in the capacity that it exists in today. So um, anyway, but, uh, you know, so we all had our families. And, you know, then you had the family where the father was a little strange and the mother was right on or the, the, the father was right on and the mother was a little strange. But they kind of balanced each other out and the kids turned out to be kind of normal. Then every once in a while you had the family that broke up and a single mom stayed in the house as long as she could and uh, and tried to make ends meet, went to work and stuff like that. And sometimes she was successful and other times she had to go live with family or she moved into an apartment dwelling where, um, you know, the kids almost always get into trouble in, in an apartment setting. Um, sorry to say that, but I grew up that way. And I, um, I know that I, I hooked up with the bad kids, but you know, that's pretty well all that was there were bad kids. So, um, anyway, that's another story for another day. And I told part of it the other night, as a matter of fact, but, um, uh, so I'm, I'm looking at this democratic party and I'm like, what are they going to do? You know, you got you got the Republicans. I think Trump's got a 95 or 97 percent uh, approval rating within the Republican Party. Uh, he's a shoo in. He's not doesn't have anybody running against him. And if they did, uh, they probably wouldn't get one delegate. So um, that, you know, that'll be interesting to watch. I don't think that, you know, that that uh, convention is probably going to go for one day and uh, that'll be it. But, but the excuse me. The Democratic Convention is going to be a zoo. Okay, it basically is. I mean, even without all the controversy that's going on right now, it'd be a zoo. Um, but Biden's got to make uh, make some choices, and he he made a promise early on that he was going to choose a woman running mate. Well, if you talk to Ralph Everson, he he came up with a very interesting point, and I don't know if it would ever play out um, or not play out depending on the way you're looking at it. But uh, he said the way the constitution is written that a woman could never be president because the framers of the constitution, when they wrote about the president wrote the word he everywhere in there, um, you would have to basically change the constitution to say they, or he or she or whatever. But as it's written right now, only a man can, can occupy the office. So, whether that's true and or will actually come out to play will is remains to be seen. But um, it's awful interesting that every man that's had a, a female running mate is lost miserably, um, and that includes Republicans too. Okay, this not a Democratic uh, phenomena; it's in both parties. Um, so I was looking at who might uh, Joe Biden pick. And he better pick somebody kind of young because Joe Biden's starting to slip. He uh, sometimes his transmission grinds when he tries to put it into gear, and other times the clutch doesn't work. And and sometimes uh, when he thinks it's in uh, first gear, it's actually in reverse. 
and he has to make a correction. So um, anyway, I, I found this article. It was on BBC News, and it is dated the 22nd of June, uh, 2020. Yeah, that would make it about a month old by an author named Anthony Zercher. He's a North American reporter uh, for the BBC. And so he, he went through a, a list of people. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and read the article. And I think that uh, I, I give all uh, attribution to Anthony Zercher. It's a very good written article, very well written. And uh, thank you, Anthony. Um, as an editorialist, I, I'm, I'm using your article um on the radio as an editorial, and uh, I want to uh, to use it to, to show the possibility. So again, I thank you for writing it. And uh, so anyway, he says uh, uh, during the final Democratic pr- uh, primary debate in March, uh, Joe Biden pledged that if we were to win the party's presidential nomination, he would choose a woman as his running mate. A lot has happened since then, not the least of which uh, is Biden's securing the required Democratic Convention delegates to become his party's uh, presumptive nominee. Even before that point, however, speculation swirled about uh, around a dozen or so contenders to be Biden's mate. (laughs) I could I could make a joke right there, but I won't. Um, Yeah, she'd have to be 13 years old to be his mate. Anyway, um, I said it. Sorry, but I couldn't resist. Okay, getting back to the article. Uh, buzz around the various candidates uh, has risen and fallen as the nation has been buffeted by a viral pandemic, economic disruption, and mass protests and racial tension. If uh, the former vice president follows through with his pledge, it would mark only the third time in major uh, party his a major party has selected a woman for the number two spot. Uh, four years after Hillary Clinton became the first woman to be a presidential nominee. The move would suggest that Democrats are looking uh, to secure an advantage they have among female voters, according to the polls, and perhaps insulate Biden from allegations that he engaged in unwanted physical physical contact with women. Yes, but what about little girls and maybe even little boys? So um, anyway, back to the article. Biden has said that he would announce his choice uh, in early August. In the meantime, here are the current contenders and how they stack up. Now, what they've done is they've taken... Um, uh, they've made a frame in each, of each candidate and uh, put their names in it and what their current uh, occupation is or position. And they've listed them under uh, different categories, charisma, experience, fundraising, voter appeal, and special power, which is obviousness. Okay, and the one that they put at the top is Kamala Harris. And I think that she got in a fight with Biden at one of the uh, one of the conventions. So I don't know if that's going to ever uh, turn out to be a... Um, a possibility. Uh, Charisma, she gets, uh, I'm just going to say stars. Okay, they have different things down here, Um, different uh, symbols. I'm just going to say stars because I don't want to say faces, books, whatever those things are, hands and whatever. So for Charisma, she gets three and a half out of five. Experience, she gets about four and a half out of five. And I wonder what kind of experience they're talking about. Uh, if we ask Willie Brown, it might be something completely different from what she does in the Senate. Uh, pardon me while I get a little sip of coffee to soothe my throat. Okay, voter appeal. She gets four out of five hands or stars. 
and special power is her special power is obviousness and she gets four out of five stars. Okay. Kamala Harris is widely considered a front runner. She has a resume that includes uh, time in the U.S. Senate and as California's attorney general, as well as San Francisco, uh, San Francisco's district attorney, where she worked under Jerry Brown, probably in more ways than one. Uh, she has a diverse background with a uh, with a mother from from India and a father from Jamaica. Not that that makes any difference. Um, she has been somewhat vetted by the national media, given that she ran for president last year and was considered for a time to be a top tier candidate. She did did have a dust up with Biden in the first primary debate last June, where she he she suggested his past views against desegregation desegregating schools through mandatory busing was uh, hurtful, but that was a lifetime ago in modern politics. It's funny how things like that can be forgiven by the Democrats. Um, Harris brings uh, access to California's money. She raised $2 million for Biden in a recent virtual event. She's quick on her feet, and she would satisfy those. Excuse me. <laughs> she would satisfy those who are calling for Biden to add black women to the ticket. She has won praise from a wide range of Democrats for being an outspoken advocate for police reform during the recent mass um, demonstrations. Biden, uh, Biden-Harris felt uh, like the obvious ticket a year ago, and perhaps it still does. Pardon me, I um, I just had a little something to nosh on, and then I just had some coffee, so I'm having a little bit of indigestion. So, no, I don't drink, so I haven't been hitting the bottle. Okay. Um. Sometimes I wish I had a vice. <laughs> I do, but I don't. Um, probably make life a little easier, but. You know, trusting in the Lord is a lot easier than all those vices put together. Anyway, next one is Gretchen Whitmer, a favorite of Jim Wilhelmson's. Um, he, uh, well, you'd have to ask him about it. She's a Michigan governor, and he lives in Michigan. And uh, she has uh, radically changed her mind several times about different subjects to the point where she's gone from beloved to hated. Um, her charisma, she has three out of five. Um, experience, she has uh, three and a half out of five. Fundraising, she has two out of five. Voter appeal, she has three out of five. And special power is timing. They make it sound like they're superheroes or something. They're special power. So we want to catch up on my old episodes of Plastic Man. Um, just a few months ago, there wasn't a lot of buzz about uh, Gretchen Whitmer, a former state legislator in her second year as Michigan's governor. Then the coronavirus pandemic hit. She became the face of her, her state's response, which included occasional criticism of what she viewed as the federal government's luck last, lackluster handling of the outbreak that made her a target for Donald Trump's vitriol and elevated her national profile. Her decision to enact sweeping social distancing and business shutdown measures as Michigan as Michigan became one of the top U.S. hotspots of the coronavirus outbreak also led to several angry, conservative, organized protests in her state, boosting her standing among Democrats. Uh, that's a lie right there because the Democrats didn't like it either. And uh, Jim can tell you about that. Um, in 2016, Hillary Clinton narrowly lost Michigan to uh, Donald Trump, 
one of the upsets that helped decide the election. If Biden hopes to avoid similar outcome, he might decide to put Michigan native on his ticket. Uh, what they didn't say is that one of the things that happened was that when they did a recount of Detroit, they realized that there were more vote, votes cast than there were voters. And when they did that, they stopped it real quick and shut it up. And uh, have, had they continued, uh, all the votes in uh, that county in the Michigan area would have been null and void. Can't have that when you're trying to deceive the American public. Okay, there's another one now called Dammy. Tammy, uh, Tammy Duckworth, she's an Illinois senator. Um, for charisma, she gets a three out of five. Experience, three and a half out of five. Fundraising, two and a half out of five. Voter appeal, three and a half out of five. Special power, who her special power? Purple heart. Uh, are they going to try to use that she's a, well, let's see. Tammy Duckworth, the junior senator from Illinois, has a CV. That jumps off the charts, off the page. She lost both her legs in an army helicopter. She was piloting when it was shot down by insurgents in Iraq. She stayed in the military and retired with the rank of lieutenant colonel before becoming an assistant secretary and president of Barack Obama's Department of Veteran Affairs. That doesn't speak well of her, actually. Um, Duckworth served in the House of Representatives and then won her Senate seat in 2016. She's the first Thai American woman elected to Congress, as well as the um, the first double amputee woman. I'm laughing about something else. I'll tell you in a second. In 2018, she became the first woman to give birth to, while serving in the Senate. Uh, Illinois is a safe Democratic state, but its proximity uh, to the key Midwest battlegrounds as well as her middle-of-the-road politics, could make her an attractive pick for Biden. I was thinking of my favorite dish at the Thai restaurant, Pad Thai. And when you give people money, you pad their pockets. And uh, so I was thinking about her pockets being padded uh, and her being from Thailand, so or, or from uh, Thai descent, I should say. Elizabeth Warren, also known as Pocahontas, uh, Massachusetts senator, I have so little dis so little regard for this woman that if he picks her, he probably will pick her. You know, um, she she's well. If you've read anything, you know what she's all about. Um, but uh, I wouldn't trust her with any amount of money, even if it was five dollars. It would probably disappear. And um, she's a prolific liar, and uh, she's a racist too. She uh, claimed to be Native American so that she could get a job teaching. Um, and uh, then basically said, well, you know, that was a, something my parents told me. Well, my parents told me a lot of things, too. And I looked them up to make sure that they were right. Because when it comes to ancestry, you don't believe what your parents say. You know, you, you talk to you, not only your parents, but you talk to your grandparents. You talk to your great-grandparents if they're alive. You talk to aunts and uncles, you know. And just because your parents tell you something doesn't mean, because they could be as mixed up as you are or more. Uh, although I don't think that's possible with this gal. Anyway, Charisma, she's got three, uh, three and a half out of five. Experience, she's got uh, four and a half out of five. Fundraising, she's got four out of five. Voter appeal, she's got two and a half out of five. Special power, left flank guardian. My goodness, you put them all together and you'd have the fantastic eight or ten. Um, 
Elizabeth Warren's campaign for Democratic president nomination is the story of what might have been. Her I have a plan for that mantra seems to strike a chord with Democrats, and she's led the polls for months and she led the poll for months in 2019, drawing enthusiastic crowd and cruising through the early debates were, which seemed um, with seeming ease. Then her support faded as many progressives drifted back to Bernie Sanders, while moderates opted for younger candidates such as Pete Buttigieg. Another name that you could have a lot of fun with. Um, many progressives expected her to endorse Sanders. When she dropped out of the race in early March, so her decision to hold back may have earned her some appreciation from the Biden team. Now that now they have the opportunity to return to favor by offering Warren the running mate spot. Uh, while there was some friction between Sanders and the Warren camps, Warren would still be significant signal that Biden wants to reach out to his party's left wing and the Native American. No, it doesn't say that. Uh, the Native American vote and govern more of a progressive as a progressive that rather than let the let on during the campaign uh, with the nation facing a serious economic crisis Ward can lend some liberal policies left uh, to the democratic ticket uh, that's a lie right there to go from the government's coming back the economy's coming back uh, like crazy and um, so I could tell this is well the BBC's leftist anyway but uh, it just goes to show you how far leftists will. They, they cross the seas. They've joined hands across the seas. So pardon me while I drink some more coffee before it gets too cold. Because you know, and I've said, I hate cold coffee. Hold on. There is nothing like double French roast coffee. Freshly brewed with heavy cream. Usually I'll drink half and half, but they didn't have it at the store today, so I got heavy cream, and this stuff is amazing. <laughs> I usually use uh, sweet and low, and I know some of you are going to write to me and tell me that it's cancer-causing, but you know what? I've been drinking it for most of my life, and yes, I did catch cancer, but I think that's because I took Zantac, and that's another thing that we're working on. But um, anyway, uh, another sip, and we'll move on. Okay, man, that's a large coffee cup. I usually, um, when I buy coffee cups, I buy them large because I don't like to fill up twice. And I can drink hot coffee pretty quick. Next one we have is uh, Tammy Baldwin. I've never heard of her before, but supposedly she's a Wisconsin senator. Uh, her charisma is two, two and a half. So uh, maybe that's why I've never heard of her before. <laughs> Uh, no charisma. Experience, three. Fundraising, two out of five. Voter appeal, three and a half out of five. And special power, two out of five. And that's historic Wisconsinite. Oh, my goodness. Um, have you guys ever heard of somebody named uh, Bill Schnoblin? Um, he's a he's a pastor. He's a, some consider him a prophet. Um, that remains to be seen. But... Um, he he comes from Wisconsin, and basically he made the comment one time that everybody from Wisconsin's weird. So, and he's uh, if you're from Wisconsin and you're listening to this, please don't take offense. That's what he said. But um, the fact that you're listening to this show means you're not weird. And uh, but I found that 
more than more than um, more than not that his comment uh, bears merit. Okay, but uh, if you're listening to the show, that means you're a truth seeker, and if you're a truth seeker, then uh, you shouldn't take offense to that because uh, you're something that a lot of Wisconsin's aren't. Um, I worked with a girl from Wisconsin one time, uh, and she was a girl. She was probably 18, 19, and uh, she was a single mother. And we got along pretty good at the beginning until we both found out that we were from political ends, uh, uh, different ends of the political spectrum. I tried to still be uh, congenial and respectful, but she uh, became a hater real quick. And uh, I remember one time uh, she was on uh, collecting um, public assistance while going to school, while working, actually. And, uh, you know, and stuff like that. And, you know, when you got a daughter, which she did, uh, it's okay. Uh, it's you got to do it. You have to make ends meet um, as long as you're trying to put for, forth um, good intentions to improve yourself and get all, out of that condition. Um, and uh, she would come up with the craziest things. I mean, if I said left, she'd say if I'd say the sun rises in the east, she'd say the sun rises in the west. I mean, that's how how weird it was. Um, and uh, tragically, she uh, one day just. Uh, um, she was partying with some friends out by the pool, and uh, everybody decided to go in except for her. And the next morning, they found her floating in the pool. And I just remember feeling so bad for her daughter because the kid was the kid was a wonderful kid. Um, and I prayed many many days for that little girl. And uh, she went to live with her grandparents, I think, back in Wisconsin. And um, man, I just felt so bad for her. And uh, it just brings me back, and it kind of brings a little sorrow to my heart, you know, that her mother was taken away from her at such an early age. Um, anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, we're talking about Tammy Baldwin, and I hope you don't mind when I get off on these little tangents. Uh, hopefully it just makes me seem real, and it makes this show seem real. I don't – I like Michael – I like Michael Savage, but I don't want to be Michael Savage I like Rush Limbaugh, but I don't want to be Rush Limbaugh. I want to have an air of uh, realness about this show. You know, I don't, and Jim and and Eric agree, and I'm sure Brian does too, that, you know, we just want to be four regular guys that talk about things and, and, um, and, and research things and, and, uh, and hopefully come up with the right conclusions, God willing. But um, anyway, just, uh, a lot of people find us unique in that aspect. You know, they, a lot of people said, Hey, it's just like you're sitting in our living room talking, you know, it's, uh, and that's how we've always wanted it to be. And that's where we're thankful that a lot of people have said that anyway, um, historic Wisconsinite. <laughs> that's where I left off. Uh, four years ago, Hillary Clinton was lambasted for never campaigning in Wisconsin during the general election. Uh, then losing the pivotal state to Donald Trump as her Midwest Democratic blue wall uh, crumbled. Democrats have pledged not to repeat that mistake, going so far as to pick Milwaukee as the site for their now-delayed national convention. If Biden wanted to learn lean into the whole don't ignore Wisconsin theme, he couldn't do much better than pick an actual Wisconsinite as his running mate. Tammy Baldwin is in her second term as one of the state's senators, having served in the House of Representatives for 14 years prior to that. Her selection would also be historic as she has become the first openly gay person to serve on the uh, major party ticket. 
just as she became the first openly gay member of Senate um, in a season where Pete Bud- Buttgig, uh, who was also gay, pr- proved to be a potent, interesting word, a potent electoral force in the Democratic politics, there may be a particular appeal for such a move. I swear if Martians came down to Earth, they could probably win an election because they're different. Um, all right, that was that for Then you got Kristen Cinema or Cinema. I don't know how you pronounce that. She's an Arizona senator. She gets four out of five on the charisma scale, uh, a two and a half out of five on experience, one and a half on fundraising, uh, three and a half on voter appeal, and her specials power. Oh, desert heat. Um, and she's got three and a half out of five on that, her special power. Um, it's, it's amazing how these Democratic websites can make stuff up like this. You know, they, they make them all sound like Wonder Woman and uh, and Batwoman and Supergirl and stuff like that. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, there's a line of thought among Democrats that this election's, this, this election's Wisconsin is not, in fact, Wisconsin. It's Arizona. The desert state, they say, will be the tipping point that delivers the election to Biden, freeing him from worrying about fickle Wisconsin voters. Oh, that's real nice. Um, Poll suggests Biden's brand of political moderation combined with Donald Trump's divisive rhetoric on immigration have the, the state leaning towards the Democrats. One strategy for securing that lead would be to put an Arizonan on a ticket. In 2018, Kristen Sinema became the first Democrat to win an Arizona Senate seat in 30 years. She's young, telegenic. Um, that's an interesting word, telegenic. I have to look that up. And politically centrist, perhaps too centrist, according to the party's left-wing activist. She's a bit quirky, turning heads recently when she wore a purple wig on the floor of the Senate. Uh, it could present a beneficial contrast while often uh, with the often stayed um, Biden, word S-T-A-I-D, another word I got to look up. If Biden picks her as a running mate, she would make history as the first openly bisexual person on the presidential ticket. Well, seeing that Biden is a pedophile, maybe, that's, uh, maybe those two gals have a little bit more going for them. Um now we have another person, Val Demings, Florida Congresswoman, kind of a pretty lady with a nice smile. Um, let's see her charisma. She's three out of five experience, two out of five fundraising, one and a half out of five voter appeal, four and a half out of five special power law and order enforcer. Ooh, uh, I don't know if she's a cop. She may not uh, be appreciated. Let's see what. They say about her last year, Val Demings was a little known Democratic backbencher in Congress. Uh, then House Speaker Nancy Pelosi gave her a high visibility role as one of the impeachment managers, the congressional equivalent to prosecutors during the Donald Trump January Senate trial. OK, so she's a loser already. Um, even before the mass protests over the death of George Floyd made racial justice a top issue among voters, the black former chief of police uh, from Orlando, Florida, was on Biden's team radar as possible vice president pick. 
Now she's getting more than just passing mention. Excuse me. Cutting against her is her relative lack of political experience and low name recognition. But if Biden feels that she can hold up under intense scrutiny as being on a national ticket, she could be the uh, be the woman for this particular national uh, moment and uh, a signal that Biden is serious about making or making tackling racism and police reform his top issue. But if she's a cop, I don't see how that's going to happen. Um, anyway, there's another one now. Michelle Lujan Grisham, the New Mexican governor. Uh, charisma, she's four out of five. Experience, she's three out of five. Fundraising, she's one and a half out of five. Voter appeal, she's four out of five. And special power, she's two and a half out of five. And her special power is the element of surprise. I wonder if she could disappear and reappear on Will. Um, during the primaries, Hispanics were consistently one of Biden's weakest voting blocks. In states like California, Texas, and Nevada, liberal champion Bernie Sanders outpaced Biden among a demographic that is well represented in numerous states that will be battlegrounds in the November general election. If Biden decides he needs to shore up his support among the, one of the fastest growing segments of the U.S. electorate, New Mexico's first term governor, Michelle Lujan Grisham, is a uh, most obvious choice for a running mate now that Senator Catherine Cortez Masto has said she's not interested. Unlike Masto's Nevada, New Mexico is a reliable Democratic state in the presidential races with few electoral votes. Lujan was comfortably elected governor after Republicans held the office for two terms. However, uh, the 60-year-old Lujan previously served in Congress as her state's health secretary, a helpful uh, CV entry in the pandemic age. And here's my favorite. Uh, And I can't tell you why. Um, Stacey Abrams, Georgia's Senate candidate. She couldn't even become a senator. He wants her as a vice president. Um, Portly woman. Um, Charisma, she's a four and a half out of five. Um, Experience, she's a one and a half out of five. Fundraising, she's a two and a half out of five. Voter appeals, she's a four out of five. Why, I don't know. Uh, special power, persistence, and she's a three out of five. Well, heck, a mosquito is persistent. Um, Stacey Abrams doesn't have much of a traditional political uh, CV for vice president, uh, presidential pick. She spent 10 years as a member of the Georgia House of Representatives. She ran a narrowly lost in a 2018 race to be the state's governor, a defeat she attributed in part to what she alleges was voter suppression by her Republican opponent. Okay. Uh, What Abrams has, however, is a voice that has resonated powerfully in much of the Democratic base. Her activism on voting rights has helped boost boosted as an issue for the party. She gave the Democratic response to uh, Donald Trump's 2019 State of the Union address, making her the first black woman chosen for the task. Unlike her rivals, Abrams has um, actively campaigned to be Biden's Biden's vice president pick, a move that has elicited cringes from some. Um, I have my hand raised, uh, while others see it as a refreshing honesty. Abrams is a rising star within the party, 
uh, the face of the demographic segment of the Democratic Party that has traditionally been under, underrepresented in leadership positions. I'm sorry, folks, but blacks have always been underrepresented by the Democrats. Um, and even uh, they can't even take care of their black constituency. Um, and that's why we have so much unrest in a lot of black neighborhoods. Anyway, even as she does, if she doesn't become the pick, the early buzz around her has uh, helped advance the prospects of all black women under Biden's consideration. Another one I haven't heard of before, Keisha Lance Bottoms. Boy, does that remind me of a medical joke about having a boil on the butt. You lance the bottom. Um, anyway, I'm a nurse, folks, and when nurses have a weird, almost sick sense of humor, so if I come out with this stuff, please excuse me. But um, this is the kind of stuff we joke about in <laughs> nursing stations. Uh, this name is funny. Um, Charisma, she's got a four and a half out of five. Experience, she's got a one and a half out of five. Fundraising, a one and a half out of five. Voter appeal, a four out of five. And special power, she's got a three and a half out of five. And she's a passionate mayor. That's her, her uh, special power. God, how many more do we? Oh, we got two more after that. Okay. I just had to see because, you know, time is a premium here. Uh, the nationwide protest over George Floyd's death while in custody of Minneapolis police gave a handful of big city mayors a national platform as they dealt with difficult issues of racism, law enforcement, and civil unrest in their jurisdictions. Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, <laughs> got to lance that bottom, um, in particular, proved particularly adept at balancing official responsibilities while expressing her personal experience as a black woman raising four children in these turbulent times. You know, folks, my mother was a single white woman that raised two kids, and she just did it. <laughs> you know, she you know she didn't bitch, complain, and moan. She didn't think herself as anything special. She just went out and got a job and raised us. You know, it's, I don't see, you know, I, I know I'm a man. I'm insensitive and I don't know what it's like. That's what I'm going to hear. I know I'm going to get a response on one of the forums saying that. But women have been doing this for, for millennia. All those guys that went to war for millennia and died, well, the women a lot of times ended up raising their kids. Um, so this is nothing new. Um, however, I guess if you're of a certain persuasions, it's, it's something, and, and, you know, I get it. I, I know that, uh, a lot of black guys take off on their families and, and leave the woman to raise the, the children. And, and that's not cool, you know, but it happens in white families too. It happens in, in it, well, not so much in Asian families and, but, uh, it happens in all elements of society and, and just to pick out one and say that they're special because of it is, I don't think it's fair. But anyway, who am I? I'm just a, a Jewish Italian guy that um, I guess has no heart. Um, let's see. It goes on. It says a heartfelt vice uh, interview in which she explained the challenge of having to tell her 12-year-old son not to play with toy guns lest he provoke an incident with police was praised by both law, uh, raw by both raw and powerful. And that's cool. Well, you know, <laughs> my mother always said, don't point a gun at people too. Anyway, 
Uh, and that was everybody, not just police. But we did it anyway with our friends. You know, we played cowboys and other people. Um, just trying to be sensitive. Um, a first-term mayor would be unconventional pick for Biden. But Bottoms is from Georgia, um, a traditionally conservative state that is trending towards being an electoral battleground. She also won praise from Democrats for waging political battles with uh, the state's Republican governor over when and how each business closures and shelter-in-place orders uh, during the coronavirus pandemic. And I know I didn't read that right, and I apologize. And now we got Susan. I'll meet you on the tarmac rice, uh, written by Bill Clinton. Um, Susan Rice, former national security advisor. That should raise flags right there because our nation was not secure while she was security advisor. Um, anyway, um, charisma. She gets a two out of five <laughs> and that's good. I'd give her a one, but. Uh, experience, she has a three and a half out of five. Fundraising, a one out of five. Voter appeal, uh, three out of five. And special power, you ready for this? Drum roll, please. White House insider. Yeah, there's a good reason not to vote for her. She was an Obama White House insider. My goodness, that should just eliminate her right away. But the Democrats like people like that. Because she knows how to take graph and to, to lie and steal. Um, she doesn't have to be trained to do it, and she doesn't have to be convinced to do it. Okay, here we go. Here here comes the liberal stance about Susan Rice that we all have to hear about. Uh, Susan Rice is a bit of a surprise entry on this list, given that he, she has no experience holding elected office or campaigning in general, and is a relative unknown for most of Americans. <coughs> okay, which Americans? BBC, you got that wrong. We know her. She's a crook. She's a thief. Um, the diplomat is well known to Biden. However, as she served in the Obama White House with him as national, with him as national security advisor after a stint as a U.S. representative to the United Nations. Um, if Rice is, uh, the pick, she could play a key role in the Biden foreign policy team, suggesting the international relations will be focused on for his administration. Uh, Rice was a uh, lightning rod for criticism during Obama years. However, Republicans, Republicans accused her of deceiving the American public about the reasons behind the 2020 or 2012 attack on the U.S. consulate in Benghazi that resulted in the death of the U.S. ambassador to Libya and three other Americans. Wow, they actually put that in there? Wow, BBC, I think you slipped. Um, reports that the Biden team has already vetted Rice to the vice president's slot suggests the campaign is casting a wide net to look for a black woman running for a running mate. <clears throat> and then we come to the last one, which I don't know. Uh, well, I don't think I don't think Michelle Obama is a woman anyway. I think it's Michael Robinson. But if people want to believe that, then that's up to them. But. When you can see her uh, private parts uh, exhibiting through a dress um, and they're not female private parts, uh, that tells you something right there. Anyway, her was Michelle Obama, former first lady. Charisma, four and a half out of five. Why don't you just give her a six out of five, for goodness sakes? You guys all drool over her when you look at her. 
Um, experience, one and a half out of five. Fundraising, five out of five. Yep. Yeah, the Obamas could talk, uh, talk you into buying the Brooklyn Bridge, even though they don't own it. Voter appeal, four and a half out of five. And her special power, she's five out of five. She's a Democratic dynamite. Dynamite woman. Ooh. Okay. And last but not least, uh, not last but not least, a, a woman. Um, the traditional first rule for selecting a vice president is to do no harm. Given that the choice doesn't offer much of the boost to the ticket, the theory goes, it's better to pick someone safe who minimizes the risk of embarrassment and won't overshadow the presidential nominee. Okay. Risk for embarrassment. All right. Most of the other candidates for this uh, list fall somewhere on the very safe to mostly safe spectrum. Former U.S. First Lady Michelle Obama is in a category by herself. That's right. She's the man. Uh, she's beloved by a large swath of the American public. Uh, and is a near, near universally recognizable figure. Uh, yes, uh, she may steal the stage from Biden. But what better way for Biden to cast himself as a continuation of Obama's presidential legacy than to put his wife on the ticket? Oh, my God. That's a good reason not to vote for him. If he puts her in, uh, a Biden-Obama ticket would electrify the Democratic base, particularly black voters who turned out in record numbers for Obama and Biden in 2008-2012. Aha, but it's going to be different this time because most blacks are realizing that Obama was never for them. Anyway, back to it. Uh, the only kink in such a bold plan is that Michelle Obama has shown less than zero interest in entering politics. Hallelujah. I put that in there. In her autobiography, she frequently complained about the toll her husband's political career took on her life and marriage. And she seems very happy to have those travails in the rearview mirror, which is very taken up by the rear. Um Anyway, so one person they didn't list on here is the one we're going to talk about the most tonight, even though I've spent a lot of time on, what is it, eight or ten different uh, personages here. Um, yeah, some of them very interesting. All of them very interesting, actually. Um, okay, and that person is going to be Hillary Clinton. Ah, you're going, ah, Hillary's not going to run. Well, there's something called a brokered election or brokered convention, excuse me. And um, I wanted to look this up so I got the right definition for a brokered convention. And I think that's going to happen because Joe Biden is, like I said, is slipping gears. Um, his his transmission's worn out and um, his, uh, his car's computer is sending bad signals to the engine and it's not running correctly. Um, so he's going to need somebody that can be in office with him to kind of guide him, to hold his hand, so to speak, to uh, whisper in his ear, uh, the right things to say, uh, to tell him when he's said the wrong things and to try to keep him from saying the wrong things. I mean, he's kind of like the Pat Robertson of, uh, the political world, actually, if you think about it. And, um. So there's two different scenarios. One would be that, uh, well, let's, let's see what a brokered convention is. Okay. 
All right. In the United States politics, a brokered convention, sometimes referred to as an open convention and closely related to a contested convention, can occur during a presidential election when a political party fails to choose a nominee on the first round of delicate voting at the party's nominating convention. So let's just say that all the uh, the electors at the convention realize that Biden's a losing proposition and none of them vote for him. Okay, then you're going to have a brokered convention. Okay, once the first ballot or votus has occurred and no candidate has a majority of delicate votes, delegates votes, the convention is uh, then considered brokered. Thereafter, the nomination is decided through a process of alternating political horse trading. <laughs> or donkey trading, uh, delicate vote trading, and additional revotes. In uh, in this circumstance, all regular delegates who may have been pledged to a particular candidate according to the rules, which vary from state to state, are released and are able to switch their allegiance in a different, to a different candidate before the next round of balloting. It's hoped that this extra privilege extended to the delegate, delegates will result in a revote yielding a clear majority of delegates for one candidate. The term brokered implies a strong role for political bosses, uh, more common in the past and associated with deals made in proverbial smoke-filled rooms, while the terms contested is a more modern term for the convention where no candidate holds a majority, but the role of the party leaders is weakened in determining the eventual outcome. For the Democratic Party, unpledged delegated delegate votes, also called superdelegate votes, uh, used to be counted on the first ballot, although some use the term brokered convention to refer to the convention where an outcome is decided by superdelegate votes rather than pledged delegates alone. This is not the original sense of the term, nor has it been commonly used definition of a contested convention. As of 2018, Democratic superdelegates will only participate if no winner emerges after the first round of balloting. Okay, so that's a brokered convention. Okay, let's let's go through some scenarios. I did one of them already. Um, nobody likes Joe Biden, so nobody votes for him. Now, some of the states have uh, have casted ballots for him in their conventions, and they would have to to vote for him. But he has to get a certain amount. And he doesn't get that certain amount. So they have to have a brokered convention. And then they'll have to pick somebody else. But there is nobody else to pick. Who else is there to pick? Sanders bowed out. All the women that were running bowed out. Bud Gig bowed out. Um, everybody else is gone. The, the little boy from Texas, I can't remember his name. Um, he bowed out. Uh, nobody, there's nobody to run but Joe Biden. Okay. So nobody votes for Joe Biden. What do you do? What in the heck do you do? Well, you know, you got looking off into the distance, you can see a dust cloud coming toward the convention. And as it gets closer, you realize that it's a white horse. It's a white horse and it's approaching the convention and it's rider. Oh, wait a minute. That's, that's not a man. It's 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 Hillary Clinton and, and she's approaching and and she comes and a horse comes to us, you know, a gallop from a gallop to a sudden stop kicking up dust. 
And she raises up her sword and she says, I will run. Okay. I don't know. I, I conjured that up in my head while I was saying it. Maybe you guys uh, were able to get the same terrible vision that I got. But um, anyway, so she comes up and she stands up on the stage and says, well, it appears that uh, Joe Biden, although he's a very nice man, um, can't get the delegates. Uh, and I've been thinking about this and, and I really love the Democratic Party. And, you know, there are a few people that would sneeze and, and say a word underneath the sneeze when that was said. But um, and so what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to save the day and I'm going to run. And what I'm going to do is make Joe my vice president or maybe she'll choose somebody else. Who knows um, who will vote for me? And in one gigantic orgasmic yell, everybody will raise their hands and say, we will, we will. We want you. <laughs> um, and I picked the white horse, uh, not by accident. Um, it's a false messianic figure. Um, but anyway, so that's one scenario where she could uh, seize the nomination. The other one would be where if Biden, uh, considering all the ladies that I read about, excuse me, women are not ladies. I don't think that Democratic women can be ladies. Um Ladies are proper and ladies are um, are honest and, and everything else. But anyway, um, so um, so Biden says, well, you know, I've thought about all you gals and you all have good attributes. And I just wish that all of your attributes are wrapped up into one woman, but they're not. So and I've been considering this and I and I called old uh, Killary the other night and and uh, she said that she would run for vice president. And I decided that maybe this is a good idea. You know, she's got a lot of good ideas. She can come up with a good agenda that she wants to get accomplished, which is the same agenda I have. So I'm going to, you know, she'll be my vice presidential running mate. Well, again, you know, all the people out in the, uh, the delegates are in one orgasmic yell are going to yell out, we choose you because you chose her. So, but the bad thing about this is that, Hillary is notorious for killing people. Um, her and Bill, they um, they have a body count that's uh, nearing 100 if it hasn't surpassed it. Um, and we don't, that's the only the ones we know about. Um, and so I would, I would give Biden probably maybe six months in office before um, the helicopter taking him to Air Force One crashes or um, he dies of some kind of heart attack or, um, I don't think that he would commit suicide. So, but who knows, maybe in a, in a fit of, um, uh, uh, dementia, he decided that he was sad and, and even though he's uh, right-handed, he shot, shoots himself with his left hand, um, that kind of thing. So, and of course, Hillary would become president. And then she'd put whoever else she wanted in as vice president. And then, and away goes America down the train. Hillary Clinton. Um, so those those are two uh, different scenarios that I see playing out. I, I do think it, and I really do think, folks, that she's going to run. And, <clears throat> you know, on that premise, I, I looked through the Internet to see if anybody else thought that this might be what's going to uh, what's going to happen? 
And um, lo and behold, the BBC did me a favor again and posted an article. And what's the date of this article? Now, this article is the 12th of November, 2019. So it's getting close to a year old, but still the uh, the a lot of it is relevant. Um, and uh, Hillary better quit eating at Mexican restaurants. That's all I can say. She says she's under tremendous pressure. Um, but it says Hillary Clinton under trem- enormous pressure to run in 2020. And she's sitting there, you know, in, in this picture with her horse-faced daughter, and um, she's smiling at her like uh, she's the um, the Antichrist child um, or the successor to Antichrist. Um, anyway, um, and the article goes on to say Hillary Clinton has said that she's under enormous pressure to challenge U.S. President Donald Trump in next year's White House election. The former Democratic presidential nominee refused to rule it out, telling him, a, telling BBC, never say never. Mrs. Clinton, 72, I guess she's 73 now, said she thinks all the time about what kind of president that she would have been if she had beaten Mr. Trump in 2016. And every patriot in the United States thanks God that that didn't happen. Now they're talking about this, because this was last year, that 17 Democrats are already vying to lead the party in 2020. Um... Let's see. The former Secretary of State of New York uh, and New York Senator and U.S. First Lady replied, I think about it all the time and what kind of president I would have been and and what I would have done differently and what I, and what I think may, would have meant to our country and the world. Well, our country would probably cease to exist as it is now anyway. So, of course, I think about it. I think about it all the time. In other words, are you obsessed? Um, being able to do that and look, wh- whoever runs next time is going to have a big task trying to fix everything that's been broken. Well, that's what we told Donald Trump, and he's trying to do it. Um, pressed on whether she would throw her hat into the ring the last minute. Here we go. Mrs. Clinton said, I, I as I say, never, never, never say never. I will certainly tell you I'm under enormous pressure for many, many, many people to think about it. So think about that, folks. Last year, uh, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8 months ago, maybe 7, she was saying that uh, when asked if she would run, she would say, she said, Clinton said, as I, I, as I say, never, never, never say never. So... She hasn't ruled it out. Okay. But at this moment, sitting here in the studio talking to you, that is absolutely not my plan. Well, you just said never say never. So there's a contradiction. I mean, she's not even running and she's contradicting herself. Miss Clinton did not elaborate on who was pressuring her to, uh, to mount what would be the, her third White House campaign. Uh, the interviewer, the interview in London came as she promoted the book of Gusty Women, which she has uh, co-written with her daughter, Chelsea Clinton. God, those two wrote a book together. Book burning, my house, next week. Um, the Democratic race is still largely up in the air, even for the first uh, of the state. By state votes, they will decide which of the contenders Mr. 
uh, contending contender challenges Mr. Trump loons in Iowa in February. Okay, that's already passed. Um, let's see. I think that might pretty well kill that article because most of it's uh, old news. Um, let's see. At a Georgetown University event in Washington, D.C. in October, that would have been 2019, former President Bill Clinton said of his wife, who was sitting beside him, she may or may not ever run for anything. So he would know best. So it's um, it's up in the air, according to this article. And that was back in um, November of last year. Okay. Now here's a more recent article, May of 2020. Is Hillary Clinton waiting, waiting in the wings? And there she is with the hillbilly whore hopper and her horse-faced daughter. Um, editor's note. Let's see. I'm going to skip that. Um, by the way, I better give credit. This comes from something called CGTN. I've yet, I think it's a Chinese uh, uh, news outlet um, because it talks about uh, China a lot of times when you go to different articles. Um so anyway, I'm going to I'm going to go with that. It's, it's a Chinese thing. Um, and it goes on to say Joe Biden's campaign has taken another hit with the renewed allegation that he sexually assaulted former Senate staffer Tara Reid. While Biden is now leading Trump in the polls, which is baloney. Serious questions remain over the presumed Democratic candidate with the confirmation of his nomination as the official candidate at August's party convention looking less from certain. The allegation surfaced in 2019, where Reed was one of 20 women who alleged, who alleged Biden had made them feel uncomfortable. Uh, DNC, or the Democratic National Committee chairman, Tom Perez, likened the allegation to, the, to that of the email scandal, which marred Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign. Oh, it's not even close, for goodness sakes. Uh, this is like Hillary's emails, because there's nothing there. Yeah, well, if you erase them all, um, and and that's known, that's a fact. So uh, there seems there seems something of a clumsy statement, as many people still view the former Secretary of State as anything but innocent in the matter. Demonstrating a wider issue is only addressing the party faithful rather than the swing voters and those on the fence who are more likely to be swayed by such developments. Perez did, did point out that Biden had gone through an extremely rigorous vetting process when he was chosen as Barack Obama's running mate in 2008. Depressingly, however, the truth is somewhat irrelevant. It's a question of perception, and Biden needs to be whiter than white in comparison to Donald Trump. Lingering question marks uh, over the Democratic candidate will blunt the vital Democratic attack lines on the incumbent president's character. Biden's campaign is presently in the curious position of being the in the ascendancy in the polls, which is BS. But simultaneous polls conducted by Emerson College also indicate that 57 percent of the electorate believe that Donald Trump will secure a second term. Yeah, it's more like it. Um, and it's probably higher than that. This is probably attributable um, to continued frustration at the president's handling of COVID-19 crisis rather than Joe Biden's long-term appeal as a future president. Um, this frust the frustration at the president's handling of the coronavirus pandemic 
is being met with a quieter frustration from Democrats at Biden's inability to take full advantage of Trump's weakened position. Last week's special guest at Biden's digital town hall meeting was Hillary Clinton. Ooh, there she is. And, and offered a glowing endorsement. Many uh, also noted that Clinton's demonstration far greater energy and engagement uh, with uh, much more policy detail and analysis that than that offered by the candidate. In other words, she's outshining him. It's also noted that while Clinton spoke of her experience of working alongside Biden, it also served as a not so subtle reminder of her credentials. Once again, fueling rumors that Clinton could be coaxed out of self-imposed retirement if called upon by the party. There you go. The digital town hall serves as a useful illustration of how pedestrian, uh, yeah, pedestrian the, the Biden campaign is being. Following the link uh, on Biden's campaign page, you begin to watch a minute count or minute, I can't remember what that is, minute count, a minute countdown of the commencement of the town hall reminiscent of the 1980s test card, (laughs) which was extremely racist. Um, There's an awkward moment where Biden and Clinton sit there and wait to start. The lack of production value and editing may be a small point, but it demonstrates a lack of dynatism and uh, inability to connect, which is uh, set to dog the digital campaign. Hillary Clinton may believe that it takes a village, but Biden's town hall was viewed at just 77,000 times, the same number as the population of beloved Scranton, Pennsylvania, of which the pair bonded over, um, over during Clinton's appearance. Put that count into perspective, Clinton's last Instagram post garnered 15,000 comments alone, and President Trump's last rally was viewed 108,000 times. Numbers don't lie, folks. Uh, One of those Clinton campaign rumors, though, it may appear more than far-fetched, however. Um, Biden won't won't be chosen as the official candidate at the August convention. Aside from being a, uh, from the sexual misconduct allegations, Biden is behind Clinton's position on fundraising and is polling behind Clinton's 2016 position in swing states. More concerning, though, is the niggling sense that uh, among Democrats that the uh, wider electorate that Biden is demonstrating cognitive decline. This, in other words, he's going senile. Um, this observation has been made of President Trump, although the U.S. president is far more bullish and remains unafraid to go on a defensive and mask any momentary lapses in concentration. One theory for the last-minute candidate substitute is the appointed running mate could succeed Biden ahead of the party's convention if Biden's chances continue to appear less likely. See, she's playing. She's playing into it, and they're going to fall for it. Hillary Clinton may be one of the most divisive political candidates since Linda B. Johnson, but the former first lady has the personal personnel in place, the profile, the experience, and the fundraising ability to make such an audacious move. Michelle Obama is probably the only other potential candidate who could mount a serious challenge to President Trump at such a short notice. Is this likely, though? Probably not. The rumors are... Uh, in part, an ironic American fixation with political dynasties 
and part desperation to remove Trump from office. Gambles of such seismic measure are unlikely. Donald Trump wrestled the nomination from fellow candidates in 2016, but neither Clinton nor Obama would make such a move against Biden. The debate does, though, uh, increase pressure on Biden to make waves and uh, make waves with the appointment of his running mate. The prudent choice would be Kamala Harris, but with the funding hill to climb and an increasing need to build momentum, Biden could be pushed into making a bold choice, um, and the former Secretary of State will always be in the mix. So, there you got it. And those are two pretty good news sources that not only suggest, but basically are almost prophesizing that Hillary Clinton is somehow going to enter into the fray uh, at the last moment during the convention in August. So watch out because it's probably going to happen. And if it does, um, Trump's going to, you know, have a, a decent running mate to run against a running mate. I mean, a running an adversary to run against. And um, it'll be interesting to watch, but, I think uh, Hillary has been vilified enough to where she'll be more of a liability than she would be an asset for the Democratic Party. Although with her narcissism and her psychopathy, along with Bill and her daughter, both being the same way, um, I seriously doubt that they can see that. Uh, they see themselves as a, the saviors of America. Uh, they've been basically brainwashed to believe that. Um, and... Uh, and if Hillary doesn't get it, and Bill can't get it because <laughs> he's been in twice, um, we have Chelsea waiting in the wings. And God help us, because Chelsea Clinton makes her mother look like um, a staunch Republican. Um, the girl's got some major psychiatric problems if you read some of the stuff she's put on Twitter. Um, so it'll be interesting to watch what happens, but... But my bet, and I'm not making a prediction, I'm just saying my bet, and what I think is going to happen, is that they're going to see Biden's unelectable, Hillary's going to come in and either run as a president or or be appointed as the running mate for with Biden to be the vice president, after which, uh, after January 20th of uh, 2021, Biden's, uh, Biden's death clock starts, and um, he will... Um, deteriorate quickly or he will meet with some kind of foul play which we will never ever find out about because the Clintons are so good at hiding these things and um, but uh, all those body bags all those all those people they've killed in the past speak uh, speak volumes and uh, that the Clintons will do anything they can and uh, my hope is that um, that uh, Trump gets rid of Pence I see Pence as being a liability. Guy never does anything, for goodness sakes. Um, and my hope is that the JFK Jr. will finally decide to come out of exile and run against Hillary, and then they'll be able to put an end to the the wicked witch. And um, and then the uh, the arrests will start, and the tribunals will start, and uh, that'll be the end of the Clintons. Hopefully, all three of them. And um, and we'll move on from that. But um, anyway, there we got a very fascinating and interesting future ahead of us. And uh, it'll be 
Well, well, it's kind of scary to be alive at this time watching this. Um, I often thank the Lord that my dad died when he did. Uh, he died in 1999, and that was before 9-11 of 2001. That would have very, very much upset him. And uh, the fact that we elected a Muslim to uh, the presidency uh, just, uh, what, six or seven years later um, would have very much upset, it, upset him. And he might have uh, he, he died rather peacefully and um, in his sleep. And I think that uh, had he still been alive, that he probably sometime up to now or soon would have grabbed his chest and fallen to the floor in a very painful heart attack. Or, or some kind of failure. Um, but um, I'm thankful that he went home when he did. He's in heaven and he doesn't have to worry about this crap anymore. Um, he took the up elevator and uh, the three people I see sitting in front of me right now, Bill and Hillary and Chelsea, are destined for the down elevator. Um, why am I so harsh? You say, well, I do believe that people are, that there are people that are born to perdition. The Bible says it. Judas was born to perdition. The Antichrist will be born to perdition. And it basically means they're born bad. There's no chance of them becoming good. And uh, we, won't, we won't get into the uh, the two seed lines and stuff like that because that turns a lot of people off. But um, we have three wicked people here that, um, that I'm looking at in this picture. And um, when they meet their end, the world will be a better place. Let's put it that way. Um, all of the deaths that have been caused by them will be partially paid for, and uh, and they'll be uh, they'll be preparing themselves to be thrown into a lake that burns for eternity. Um, and I can't say that I feel sorry for them because they've chosen their uh, their destiny. And if it has been chosen for them before they were born, then so be it. But um, you know, I I do think that uh, there are evil people that are born that way, but they can choose to do good. It won't get them to heaven. And at one point they, they make a mistake. That's, you know, like an irreversible. <laughs> but um, but still, we all struggle with that um, from time to time. Um, you know, that guy that cuts you off on the freeway, you just want to be able to to knock them off the road and to pummel them, you know, but you don't do it because you're a better person than that. You know, the guy that on the internet uh, makes fun of your wife or something like that. You, you'd like to find out where he lives and go pummel him, but you don't do that because you're a better person than that. Um, and, and, you know, you use whatever analogy you want to use, but um, there's those of us who know what good and evil is and we choose to do good instead of evil. So, and you might think that by my, casting them as uh, deviates that are bound for hell is an evil thing to do. But, you know, if God says it, then I'm not going to worry about what you think. Um, so anyway, uh, it'll be interesting. Let's see. Today is the uh, the 19th of July. So we're almost through July. Then we got then we got August next month. Right. It's when the convention's going to be. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next month. I think it said it was in August. I think the Republican ones in September, that's only going to be a day long anyway. But um, anyway, uh, God willing, and the creek don't rise, uh, Trump will be elected for a second term. And and then um, all those uh, 
Those was that 172,000 sealed indictments will be opened and, uh, you'll see these people being arrested and sent to Guantanamo, um, and then, um, judged and then, um, gotten rid of very quickly. And, uh, yep, they think that they've, they've won. They think that, uh, they're untouchables, but sorry, you are touchable and you will be touched. Um, the law, the uh, Justice Department is going to reach out and touch you and send you to the military uh, because you've committed treason, Mr. and Mrs. Clinton, and you too, Chelsea, and and you too, Mr. Biden. And um, and the uh, penalty for that is death. So uh, we'll see what happens. Um, now I'm not going to say that. Okay. Anyway, folks, uh, we've gone an hour and 16 minutes. Um, said all that I wanted to say. I think I've read from all of the, uh, yeah, I've read from that one. Was a brokered convention. Who could be Joe Biden's running mate with all those gals? Um, is Hillary Clinton waiting in the wings? We read that one. That was the Chinese article. So we've read everything that, uh, or explored everything that, uh, I wanted to explore tonight. Um, It'll be interesting to see if JFK Jr. comes out of hiding and, and uh, joins with Donald Trump. Uh, more and more people are starting to believe that JFK Jr. is alive. And um, hopefully he'll make his uh, reappearance <clears throat> very soon so that he can join with Donald Trump and um, and help to bring justice to this world and to... Um, and to get uh, justice for the murder of his father, too, because some of those schlemiels and schmucks that killed his father are still alive. So um, anyway, folks, it's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. And um, I enjoy doing these shows. And I thank you for listening. And I hope and pray that you have a wonderful day. We have our show coming up tomorrow. And. Um, let me get in there real quick, and I'm going to read. It's it's a long one. Uh, John, Jim and I were supposed to get together and shorten this introduction for the show tomorrow, but um, we got together, but uh, we started talking about other things, and that happened so many times. And Jim and I talk with each other. Um, it's like we're ten steps ahead, and. Um, so uh, Saturday night, that was the other night. I posted this a while back, so because I basically this coming Monday, 7:20. Yes, that's tomorrow. <clears throat> Soon to be today in half an hour. Um, all right, here we go. Let's see. I got to learn how to make paragraphs out of Jim's writing. Um, this coming Monday, 7.20 on Opposing the Matrix. That's tomorrow night at uh, 6.35 Pacific Time, 9.35 Eastern. It says, if you saw the gargoyle flying, the gargoyle thing soaring around the Vatican, it did not take long to find further rumor and technology that created this ruse. So does anyone believe that some, some kid in their parents' basement spent the time and the high-tech equipment to make this, to make this as a joke? Or is this a way to make us not believe the real thing once they come predicted in the Bible? Our uh, future includes interacting with people that are not real people. 
that'll be interesting to talk about tomorrow night. We've talked about it before, but we'll talk about it again. Events that have been changed by CERN, known as the Mandela Effect, and other event, um, events that appear to have happened but proven to be actors and, strain, and, and things staged, like uh, Sandy Hook and George Foster's death. And please don't judge us. We'll explain that tomorrow night. Um, animal and human-like creatures such as Bigfoot, Mothman, skinwalkers, and dogmen that appear and disappear in the blink of an eye who are associated with portals and UFOs. We have thoughts injected into our minds as, as uh, a voice in our brain produced by um, Project Bluebeam with historic proof by military men in the first Gulf War. A secret space program started in the Clinton administration and put into practical use by President Trump. Scriptures that clearly say that someone would uh, colonize the space in the last days. Uh, who n- no one, I can't read this, who no one we know of yet, but scripture says it already happened if if uh, we are in the last and last times of the end times. Um, so much happening, real and unreal. How do we find peace and safety through this? How do we ignore it because it's so overwhelming? Or do we confront it with, the, with knowledge to defeat them as the scriptures tell us to do? And how do we tap into the understanding of what the scriptures tell us about all of this? Find out in our next episode of Opposed in the Matrix. We can thrive and survive. And the scripture, Daniel 11.32, and they, they that know their God will be strong and do exploits. And um, so, again, we're at uh, Spreaker.com forward splash opposing dash the dash matrix. We'll be there at 635 or right, right around there. And um, we will talk about those things. Hopefully not go down too many rabbit trails while we're talking about them. But, um, you know, we, we tend to do that from time to time. And uh, it's, I don't know, you would call it a character flaw, but it could be also be a blessing. So um, anyway, uh, we will see you tomorrow night, hopefully, and have a blessed day uh, or blessed rest of the night tonight. And a good day Monday. And um, and uh, we'll get all primed up for tomorrow night. So God bless. And. And thank you for being uh, loyal and faithful listeners. And just thank you. We, we consider our listeners friends. You guys are our friends. And and um, it's um, it's an honor to call you friends. So uh, have a good night. And uh, we shall see you tomorrow from the non-bunker in a plain little disc- undescript house in rural Oregon. I say good night and God bless. <laughs>